When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not these all who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. Walter Wink, the great Christian thinker, once asked of this text we looked at today, Is this passage a miracle of the tongue? Or is it a miracle of the ear? Now, sure, in this passage, people are speaking in other languages, but the Spirit also enables the people to hear the story in their own language as well. Listen to these verses. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in their native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native languages. And I want you to imagine for a moment how different Christianity would be if this passage had been received not as a miracle of the tongue of speaking, but as a miracle of the ear of listening and hearing. You know, for much of Christian history, we have come from the perspective that our task was to tell things, was to tell people the things that we know. Tell the good news. Tell the old, old story. Tell the people how to be saved. Missionaries come to a new land and the first thing they did was learn the language so that they could tell the natives all about salvation. And look how many cultures were destroyed because of it. The Spanish priests destroyed the Mayan library so they could not tell their own story and would only hear our story as we told it. We being uh, European Christians, I guess. 
And even now, while we have learned from these mistakes, the process is to teach uh, someone from their own native culture how to uh, teach them the story so that they can tell their own people the story as we have conveyed it to them. And it still is about telling. It's still placing the value on the speaking and the speaker. Even in our prayer life, do we commune when we when we commune with God in prayer, how do we do it? We talk. We tell God all about it. We ask God for things. God, give me this. God, give me that. Emphasis on the one speaking, conveying what's on their mind. And it's true that speaking plays a big role in the Pentecost story, but it, but it has been pointed out to me by one of my teachers, uh, uh, Reverend Eric Law, it is important to note who is doing the talking and who is doing the listening in this story. You see, the Pentecost story is about power, isn't it? It's about the power of the Holy Spirit coming on the disciples. Power that comes from above. Like so much of what Jesus did, it is about releasing power from the powerful and giving some over to the powerless. Now in Jerusalem, on Pentecost, in the early days, in the first century, the Jewish people, who were the dominant culture of Jerusalem, who gathered en masse at this time, they were the powerful in this story. This ragtag bunch of people who were followers of a man who was executed by the state for treason were held up in a small room, hiding for fear that they might be next, and just waiting, not knowing what to do, feeling completely powerless. Think of Peter after Jesus was arrested, how scared and how powerless he felt. They were the powerless. And so the the Spirit did a remarkable thing that day. The Spirit let the powerless talk and enabled the powerful to listen. Like is always the case, the kingdom of God turns things on its head. The first are last, the poor are rich, and the weak are powerful. And yet, it's not a, a complete reversal either. The point is not to alienate the powerful, but to bring about what the Jewish people call shalom, which is more than just peace. The word means peace, but it's more than just peace. It's not just an absence of strife, but it's God's peace, which includes equitable relationships, right relationships between people and right relationship with God. Here, the Holy Spirit at Pentecost symbolically returns balance by empowering the powerless to speak and enabling the powerless to listen and to hear. I believe the significance of this can have a radical impact on the church today. Throughout our history, Christianity has been both powerless and powerful. We have been both persecuted and persecutor. 
we have been on the top and we have been on the bottom. And I don't know if, I, if you're aware that I talk about this a lot. So you must know this already. But we are in a transition time when we are going from being powerful here in America to being powerless. This is what Eric Law calls the gospel cycle. Now within the gospel, Jesus is always inviting the powerful to give up power. He says in Luke, Woe to you who are whitewashed tombs. Woe to you who you know, hold Christianity as those who are in, or hold religiosity as those who are in and those who are out. Woe to you who hold on to power and use it to push down and oppress people. He says it's time for you to give up some of that power. But he always says to the, ple- to the powerless, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you who are powerless. It is Jesus. And so in the Gospel, there seems to be this constant giving over of power by the powerful and taking up of a little bit of power by the powerless. So I think we are in the midst of going from being powerful to being powerless. Or, alternatively, finding balance. Finding equity. Finding shalom. I think the key to this notion of we can, we can fight it and try to hang on to power and ultimately end up powerless. Or we can try to engage it in a way that brings about this shalom. And I think the key here is to listen to what the Spirit is saying in our text today. And it's about listening and hearing what I think we're going to see. When the powerful are giving up power, successfully making the transition and coming to a place of equity, that means listening and not talking. What I think is important for us as the church, and by this I mean Christianity broadly and universally, is that it's our turn to listen. We've been doing some talking for a few decades. But it's time for us to listen. And what this means is that when the world is speaking truth to us about how religion is not being helpful or even harmful, we are called to pay attention and to receive it as honest reflection on our role and to be the Jesus that people see. I hear this, I hear this a lot sometimes. And maybe some of you are feeling this anxiety. Christianity is feeling anxious because people are not only kind of walking away from church, but they're getting downright hostile about it. <laughs> not only are atheists saying that, you know, uh, you know, God's kind of a silly idea, but it's harmless. Now they're getting evangelical about it, saying, no, believing in God is harmful. And what I've noticed is we, among Christianity, we're getting anxious about that. Because we're feeling our power slip away. And our reaction sometimes is to take on the garment of persecution. 
or to feel like we've become the victim. And I think this is a bad idea. I think this is going to continue to cause struggle for the church. What I think is a good idea is what I hear in this text today. To be hearers and to be listeners. To hear what the world is saying to us. Again, I wonder how different faith life would be had this been for the early church a miracle of the ear. If evangelizing was not going around telling what we thought, but listening to other people's reflections on faith, on life. What a blessing it is to go to someone and say, how are you? And to mean it. (laughs) Actually want to hear what they have to say about it. And count that as the Holy Spirit being shared between people. Sometimes I think we don't trust that that Holy Spirit is as powerful as we see it here in Acts. Sometimes we think we need to undergird that Holy Spirit by making sure that everyone hears the right thing and thinks the right way and and has the right story. But I think we're called to trust that the Spirit is at work in the listening, the sharing, and the appreciating, and the hearing a rare thing that we get to stop and be heard, isn't it? It means that really for us, that the world is speaking truth about it to us, that for us in this day, evangelism is less about getting people to listen to us, but rather inviting people to share their own thoughts on faith. And you'll be amazed how much people want to talk about what they think in their hearts and their own experiences with Christ or with faith or with something out there. This translates to our personal life as well. I believe listening really ought to be a spiritual discipline that we work at just as much as praying, just as much as studying the Bible, just as much as giving of our tithes and our offerings. What an incredible thing it is to really seek to understand without agenda, without the burden of persuading someone to think and feel the way we do. What an incredible blessing to not have to figure out how to be right or how to come out on top in any particular disagreement, or to, but to just receive what is being offered and do our best to comprehend the other human being who is offering it to us. What an incredible blessing. What a release and a freedom to not be right all the time. You know, I carry that burden around with me. Pretty, it's pretty heavy, i got to say. It's tough being right all the time. You know, someone's got to do it. <laughs> what a blessing to give that up. And just say, you know what, I'm here to learn from you about you and your story. What an incredible thing. And what a blessing it is to be heard. To know that what you are saying need not be justified, only understood. To be able to share one's heart and not feel that it will be cut off or debated or shot down. But that someone is really listening. You ever have that feeling you're talking to someone and they're not really listening to you? 
You probably get that from me a lot on Sunday morning. If you're ta- let me tell you this. If you're talking to me uh, five minutes to 11 and I'm walking through here, I didn't hear a word you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're so distracted today. But what a blessing it is to have someone turn and look at you and go, I am listening to what you have to say. What a blessing it is to be heard that way. As a culture, we don't do that enough. Amen? We don't do that enough. Perhaps it all begins when, with learning to listen not to each other, but to let God get a word in once in a while. How would that be? As I said earlier, our prayer life seems to be all about us too. Like, yap, 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 yap. God, help me with this. God, I want that. Even, even when it's just about God, it still seems to be yap, yap, yap. God, you're great. God, you're wonderful. God, we love you. When does God get a talk, right? Mike Wallace, in an interview with Mother Teresa, I've heard this story. I haven't been able to verify this story, so maybe it's just urban legend, but I like it anyway, so I'm going to tell it. Mike Wallace, in an interview with Mother Teresa, once asked, when you pray, what is it you ask God for? What is it you say? Mother Teresa responded, I don't say anything. I listen. Mike Wallace comes back and says, so what does God say? Mother Teresa says, He doesn't say anything. He listens. The interviewer said, perplexed, well, I don't understand. And she said to him, well, then you don't understand prayer. How, what incredible wisdom coming from a saint. It's about the listening. It's about silent communion where who we are and who God is is shared. The essence of our life in communion with God is not our ability to articulate what we want from God, but our ability to receive from God that which God has for us, i.e., listening to that still small voice of the Creator and allowing that to guide us through our lives. Listening. Spiritual discipline. Spirit is talking. Spirit is listening. And I think for us as a church, we've got to get good at this. And people will be blessed. The world will be blessed by our ability to bring listening to an art. People's lives will change, will change as they did the days of Pentecost. The old, old story will be given again, but maybe by someone else and received by us. And maybe what we'll hear is, wow, Jesus has been in work at work in ways I never even realized when we stop and listen. Perhaps we will get this idea, this old story from a fresh new place as we exercise this discipline of listening. Oh yes, to some it may seem we are filled with new wine as we stop and listen. But to others, 
that will seem like new life and an invitation to really be in the Spirit. Let us pray. God, my prayer this morning is this. Help us to listen. Help us to listen to You. Help us to listen to each other. Help us to listen to those people who rarely get to speak. May we be the transforming presence in this world. Teaching how to listen. Be agents of shalom. Amen.